Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Exodus 30 to 31. Let me level with you guys. We're getting into what many people would consider, especially if you're trying to read through the Bible in a year or the Old Testament in a year, we're kind of getting into the part that most people might say is the most difficult part. Even many people that set out with the ambition to read through the Old Testament, this is where the wheels might fall off the wagon. And I want to exhort you, keep going. And let's keep digging into God's Word. Now, I I will admit there are reasons why this is a more difficult part. It's not um, as uh, narrative-driven like we've seen a lot of the other parts so far of Exodus, where there is a compelling story uh, to follow. It's a lot of maybe more rules, instructions uh, that feel very, very distant from us in time and space and culture. It feels very far away from us. But we know that this is God's word, and so we want to still learn from it. Now, as we do that, I think it's helpful for us that we have the whole Bible, and we want to do a couple things. We don't want to just ignore what this passage says and make it say whatever we want to say. We want to consider the in original intention of God for the original audience, but also we do see these things clearly brought out as symbols elsewhere in scripture. We clearly see that these things are meant to point forward. And now that we have the vantage point that we do, we we can see some of the, I believe, intended symbolism of these things that will help us Today. So as we look through Exodus 30 through 31, there are a few things that I want to point out that we see here in the tabernacle uh, that are important for us today. Now, let's step back in time to consider what is going on here, especially with the original audience in mind. Well, they are preparing for the tabernacle, and the tabernacle really is the the predecessor to the temple. The, The temple ends up being a building in a fixed location. The tabernacle is basically a temple that is mobile. And really what it is meant to be is this is the place where God will dwell among his people. And that's an important thing. Now, in the New Testament, we see God dwells among his people through his spirit, in his people. But here we see God has redeemed this people. He's rescued them from Egypt, and now he intends to dwell among them. What's that going to look like for God to dwell among his people? And that's where, if we start to apply then, always, now, we start to see the relevance. Because does God still want to dwell among his people? Yes. Right now, that's through his spirit in his people. Uh, Then it was through this tabernacle, he would live among his people, the nation of Israel. And we will see some things through that, always true, that then we can apply Now, and I want to just highlight a few things from our reading that I hope help you and give you something to think about and even something to apply or a picture that actually helps you uh, get something out of your reading today. The first thing we see in our passage is the altar of incense. They were to build this altar 
and that then they were to burn incense on it. And later, you see even in this chapter that there is uh, a recipe given for the anointing oil. Now, that was something that was important. And also the incense, that there's a special recipe given for these things that are set apart, right? You were not supposed to be able to go to the store and get, hey, here's your temple blend anointing oil or incense. Um, no, these were meant to be holy, set apart for the tabernacle. These were special things for the tabernacle. And you see in verse seven, and Aaron shall burn fragrant incense on it every morning. When he dresses the lamps, he shall burn it. And when Aaron sets up the lamps at twilight, he shall burn it. So morning and evening, there is to be this incense offered on the altar. And one thing that I think is a fair and even biblical picture to think about when you look at the incense is prayer. We think of a passage like Psalm 141 verse 2, which says, let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Or in Revelation, we see twice incense is clearly even referred to as the prayers of the saints. And so there's this picture of this sweet, fragrant smell of incense rising up from this altar. And then we see David in Psalm 141 saying, God, I want my prayer to be like that. And maybe that's something you can take from God's word today. Is your prayer like this incense? Even thinking about that morning, and evening. The picture there really is that it's constant. It's a daily thing, even twice a day. This incense is is always there. Are you the kind of person that I'm, I'm praying without ceasing, morning, evening, throughout the day, I am lifting up my prayer to God. And even that's a, a sweet thing that God even would view his prayers, view our prayers, as a, a sweet-smelling fragrance unto him. Are you keeping that altar of prayer burning in your own life? I want to exhort you, don't let that go out. Let your prayer be like incense, rising up to God. In the next sections, we see uh, speaking of atonement and also of cleansing. And now those are very easy themes to connect um, throughout all of Scripture. It was very important for the people and especially for the priests to have atonement made for them, and also for them to be clean. And we see what we need those things today. We need atonement. Our atonement does not come through some tax we pay with a census. We are ransomed. We are atoned for through Jesus Christ. And then even this bronze basin, one thing you will note is for the priests, their holiness, and even... uh, This ceremonial sense of cleanness is very important. God says it's very important. And throughout Exodus and even through Leviticus, we will see that importance of cleanliness and it's connected to the idea of holiness. They were to be set apart and clean and holy for the Lord's work. Do we not see in the New Testament, we are clearly supposed to be holy, and even we are supposed to be clean. Now, obviously, we are cleansed in the broadest sense through the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. 
But even as we think about repentance, I think of James where it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Or I think of 2 Timothy 2, where it talks about somewhat the clean vessels and the dirty vessels. And when we're cleansed, that's when we are useful to God. Do you want to be useful to God? Well, then you should pursue, I guess you could say, spiritual cleanliness. And that's going to require continual confession, repentance, turning away from sin, and seeking the Lord in our lives. Chapter 31 talks about these two specific men that God is going to fill with the Holy Spirit for this specific task of making these things. Now, it's interesting, the means through which God equips these men to, to do this is through the Spirit, through the Spirit of God. Fast forward to the New Testament, we see that every believer in Christ has been given the Spirit, and every believer in Christ has been given some manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So before your eyes glaze over and you just say, well, I'm not building no um, Ark of the Covenant, I'm not building any of this stuff, I'm no craftsman. Well, if you are a Christian, you have the Spirit of God, and God through the Spirit is calling you to do something for the sake of His people, for the sake of His body, the church. So do you see how even though these things may be foreign and feel distant, that they are communicating things that are worth our attention and our thought today? Are your prayers like incense? Are you through the Spirit serving the church? Are you pursuing a spiritual cleanliness through regular repentance and and confessing your sin to God, that that you would be a useful vessel to God. Uh, The passage ends with uh, God charging them to keep his Sabbaths. Now, the Sabbath generates a lot of discussion, even still today. Are we supposed to observe the Sabbath, which would have been and still is, if you go to Israel, Saturday? Or is Sunday a Christian Sabbath? Or is the Sabbath something that has been fulfilled and is not an expectation on Christians today? There is debate about that among people who genuinely love the Lord. And the Bible, I think, even uh, clearly tells us that there will be disagreement about uh, this thought. If you think about uh, a passage like Romans 14, it, it tells us that the Bible or it tells us that Christians will disagree about this and how to respect each other through that disagreement. That kind of makes me think, well, if God really was saying, no, you you must observe the Sabbath on Sunday or you must observe the Sabbath on Saturday, that he would have stepped in there and said that pretty clearly instead of, well, this is how you disagree about this. I think he would have said, no, this is how it is. I don't think that the Sabbath is something that we observe still today, or all Christians are required to observe in some religious way. You even see in verse 17 that it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. It's pointing back to creation. Hebrews tells us of how rest is ultimately a picture of Christ and what he has done for us. So I think that's one thing we should consider when we read about the Sabbath, Also, I do think that there is something to this picture of work and rest, that this is an intended and even healthy rhythm for us as created beings to look at God and how he rested. And and rest really forces us to trust the sovereignty of God. 
He doesn't call us to rest because we're finished. He calls us to rest to follow his example. I think of Psalm 127. We rest even on a daily basis and sleep because we express our trust in God unless the Lord builds the house. So the Sabbath does come up throughout the Bible. There can be some disagreements on it, but it should point us to the rest that we have in Christ. And I do think it's something we should think about as a healthy rhythm, even for us still to this day. So as we look at Exodus 30 and 31, I hope this isn't just something that you're flying over. I hope this isn't just something that you're gritting your teeth and trying to endure through. I hope that you're built up by the word of God and that even perhaps right now you spend some time calling out to God in prayer and that your prayer would rise like incense before our God. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.